It's so good to see you guys uh, this morning. My name is Chris. I'm an overseer here, um, and one of the cool things I get to do is um, spend some time with um, a group of people uh, here in this church that have really had an impact on my life, uh, and I know each of you could say that same thing. This idea of community uh, is so deeply powerful, and so one of the benefits is uh, the ability to just come together, be here. Uh, In fact, um, Robert um, last week started what is called our vision series. We put together as a church, we say this, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to be. If if we could predict and see where God is doing and what he's moving, we want to be here. And so that's our vision. And so last week, Robert talked about what does it mean to be transformed by Jesus? What does it mean to have him in our world? And he said it changes everything. It's a life that we get to share with others. I get to speak today um, about what it means to um, be in community. Our vision is to take something that's already really good here, that is community, and move it to a place where we can begin to see God working and God moving. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Let me just pray for our time. Lord, grateful. Grateful that we have your word which can lead and direct and guide. And as we think forward, as we look out to the future, you're calling us to something. Help us as a church to know what that is. Help us to see your hand, to see your presence. And then with other people around us, Lord, help us to see how to encourage and stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, Lord, but encouraging one another as we see the day drawing near. Go before us in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, we do this uh, idea of vision series every year just to help set the course of where we're going. Um, We have a great community. Uh, In fact, we have a whole pastor of community, Craig's title, Pastor of Community and Worship. I think we do something really well here, and to build on that foundation is really a cool thing to think about, and that's why I want to challenge us today. See, I'm a social psychologist, and so I get to think about people and groups. Um, I know Craig and others think about how can we get people involved? How can we get them to where they are part of something so they can feel loved and cared for? But I'm going to give you a little twist today on something that the author of Hebrews wrote. And he said, yeah, it's really important that we consider Jesus. It's really important that we consider um, what it means to love. But he also said, it's really important that we actually think about other people and not love them, though that is biblical. He said, the goal into thinking about other people is to encourage and stimulate them to teach them, to motivate them, to implore them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you want to turn your, uh, take your Bibles and turn it to Hebrews 10. We're going to spend some time there. Hebrews 10, toward the middle, 10, 24, and 25. Now, as we get there, uh, I'll put it up on the screen. I'll read a little bit about from, from that passage. Um, but I think what's so cool, as is a social psychologist, one of the things I'm always sensitive to is um, the way groups function and get to study a little bit of that and how we do together. Uh, one of the first things I notice is that groups take on a different feel and a different flavor each time you're around them. I think this church is full of um, amazing people that we would say we'd love to get to know. And so I'm going to do that real quick as a psychologist. 
so I'm going to take a little poll out there. Let me see, where are my, (laughs) we already found one, where are my extroverts? Let me see, Tony, raise your hand, Uh uh-huh, extroverts, you're kind of not very shy, you like people, Uh uh-huh, let me see, good, look around, people, all the extroverts, Uh uh-huh, let's see your hands, but you extroverts would be like this, whenever Nate said, hey, everybody stand up and greet each other, all the extroverts are like, yes, (laughs) this is what I come to church for, is to greet people, I want more time on the countdown clock. And then there are people like me, the introverts, who are like, oh, please don't make me stand up. I got to talk to people. Let me see the introverts, by the way. All y'all, it's even hard to see your hands. You're, some of you are like, <laughs> you introverts, I, 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 I like you. You're, you. We have a lot in common. Introversion is, is not a bad thing. We tell the extroverts, you're loud. Don't be so loud. Let me be here. In fact, my wife, she is such an extrovert. People are like, oh my gosh, they're drawn to her and she pulls people in and she wants people to our house all of the time. I'm like, at least that is so messed up, man. No more people. I'm tired of people. She's like when people, I say, first of all, let's learn a little bit about something when we first get married. I don't want anybody at my birthday party but you. She's like, she wants everybody to be at her birthday party. And I'm like, that is wrong. This is a celebration. So we go one time, fine, this is horrible. I'm such an introvert. I'm in between, actually. Some of you, how many are in between? Sometimes you're not, sometimes you are, just depends on like, eh, that's probably a lot of us. That's me, more like it. But I still don't like people singing to me. I don't want people to recognize me. So we go to this restaurant that gives you, on my birthday, a free meal. Yes. The Acapulco restaurant, I don't know if they still do that. Right? Up here in like Santa Fe Springs, they give you a free meal. All you got to do is go in and say, it's my birthday. And they're like, oh. So we take our little kids. We go with the, my wife and the kids. And it's really full of people. It's a Saturday night. There are massive people everywhere. And we're sitting there eating. And we tell them, and I get my free meal. I'm real happy because we're going to go to a movie that happens to be in that same little complex right there at a theater, a Disney movie. Well, you know what it's like with little kids in a restaurant. They're like finished in five seconds. They don't eat much. You know, our kid takes one bite. We're like, oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and then they, they're active and bouncing around. And we're like, I'll tell you what, kids, Elisa, why don't you take the kids and go get in a line at the theater and I'll meet you as soon as I pay the bill. That was the biggest mistake of my introverted life. Because here I am in the restaurant on a Saturday night all by my little self at a booth with hundreds of people at this restaurant. My wife and children know where to be found. And here come six waiters (laughs) singing and carrying something on fire (laughs) to my table. And you know what you do in a restaurant? Everybody looks to see, oh, whose birthday is it? And they see a poor, pitiful man who's all by himself because he must want people to sing to him because he must love people so much. Let's sing to him. The whole restaurant sucks singing to me. And I'm just looking at these people coming. So, no, I look at them like, no, go back away from me. And 
loud, and everybody's like, let's sing louder. And I walk out with this shock and pain on my face of people like, happy birthday. Would you like to come over and sell? No, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be alone. Okay, so introversion. Some of us then, I'll wrap up this time because I think uh, ultimately we're going to talk about with community is introverts and extroverts have a different challenge. And each of us are called to community. This church, this place is pretty powerful and pretty cool because we get to experience something. And I think what Ephesians said and what the author said in this particular passage is pretty deep and powerful and profound. You don't just get to be part of a community so that you can love somebody. Now, that's biblical. We're supposed to. We're supposed to love somebody. But the author of Hebrews, in fact, let's turn there. Great passage, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Here's what he says. A Christ sent, he doesn't say this. This is a theme. I said this. (laughs) Christ-centered community has the power to turn strangers into friends and friends into family and poor lonely men who are eating dinner by themselves on their birthday into horrified, pained introverted, scarred people. (laughs) Not really. Christ-centered community does what? It has the power, this community, this group, this church, to turn a group of acquaintances into family. That's why life groups, that's why ABCs are so important. It's also for your edification. It's for your building up. It's so that you can have people to turn to But it's also, we get involved in churches like this. We get involved in small groups in order that we can consider other people and see good things in them and tell them, I think you would be really good at this. But the only way we could do that, to turn strangers into friends and to turn friends into family is to be with them to know them, to hang out with them, to study them. So let's see what he says. Before I do that, in Ephesians, in Ephesians, in Hebrews, and let us consider, he says, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What does it mean to stir up? What does it mean to be there? This is just a little commercial I show every once in a while. It's a really fun one. It's a commercial about some friends, and I'll let you watch it. What makes you think you're qualified for this job? Oh! Ah, stop punching me! Stop punching Please! Yes. All right. There you go. Hey, that's a way. If there's nobody else signing up for this job, you're the only one. You're going to get it. That's how these friends stimulate and stir up each other. I love this passage in Hebrews because it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Don't neglect meeting together. This is the habit of some. 
And all the more, especially to encourage one another as you see the day drawing near. How do we stir up? By the way, I think it's easy for us to think about stirring up. Maybe not so much in small groups or communities, though that really is, I think, the biggest intent. I think the biggest thing that I've learned in thinking about Hebrews and as a social psychologist I study groups is that groups do something. We allow ourselves in a vulnerable moment to be part of somebody else's life to be loved, but also to love them, to teach them, to see something in them. You will see something in somebody and speak it to them and encourage them. It's, if you've ever been a parent or if you have parents, you understand this. Parents see things in their kids and want to motivate and challenge and stir them up to love and good works, don't we? Don't your parents want to say things? And what are some parents' oh, sayings? <laughs> It's always about, hey, be a good sharer, right? Teach, treat somebody the way you want to be treated. In our house, it was, don't kick your sister. <laughs> Stop biting your friends. <laughs> We'd come home, and these kids, my kids were like crazy fun, but they also needed encouragement and stirring up, and for me to see good things into them and speak good things. Like I remember a couple of times I would uh, say to our children, um, one of the fun things was playfulness was I would come home and um, I would wrestle with them and knock them over and play and roll around and wrestle. And for whatever reason, we came up with the word whooping. (laughs) So I'd come home and they'd say to me, Daddy, will you whoop us? (laughs) And I would say, yeah, I'll whoop you. Let me go ahead and get my, you know, comfies on. Okay, Daddy, we'll wait. Which is fine. Daddy, could you whoop us now? Like, that's fine. Yeah, I'll whoop you pretty good. And so I get in there, and I just kind of wrestle with them. Oh, thanks for the whooping. And then you bring friends over. (laughs) And I walk in and say, Daddy, Daddy, come on, will you whoop us now? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to whoop you good in just a minute, but you got to, oh, come on, Dad, please, will you whoop me first? And the guys are like, what kind of family you got here? How to stimulate and encourage and build them up and teach them. Parents do this. We speak. We see things. And a kid go, you're going to be good at this one day. You share. You don't bite. You don't kick. You do this. Or I'll whoop you. <laughs> I remember teaching my kids. I go like this one, one time. <laughs> I put up this. Uh, I put up a, together a barbecue grill. And I had never pulled it up before. It's a gas grill. I put it out on the patio where their playthings are, and I wanted to teach and motivate and stir them up and tell them, this is daddy's toy. It's not a kid's toy. So they're like four and three, and they're just little, short, little nothing kids, and they come over, and I say, now come over here. I put this thing up. I put it together. I'm going to show you something. This is a toy. Not a toy. <laughs> not a toy. So come over here. And I say, now watch this. And I had never lit this thing before. And the lid is closed. And I say, now watch this thing, guys. You don't touch this. This is called gas. Listen, Psh, you hear that? That turns the gas on. Well, I'll do it again. Because I'm a professor, and we like to reiterate things all the time. And I said, now watch this. This turns on the gas. Psh, you hear that? Don't do that. And then I go to the other one. See, this one does the same thing, too. You don't do this. Psh. Now, the whole time, gas is building up inside of that thing. And I'm like, now, Psh. now this one, too. And this one, too. Now, come closer and lean in and look with me because I'm going to show you you do not push this red button. 
This is daddy's toy, not kid's toys. You get it? Now come, I wanted to show him the flame. And so, now come closer. And I barely lift up that hood. And I say, now watch what happens. Now lean in and look. <laughs> so, I pushed that red button, man. A flame came out and just... Every hair on our eyebrow, our eyelashes, their hair, right? Not the whole hair, just the front of there was completely singed. My eyebrows used to be blonde. Not really, but... So I say, come here. And we get... And we... Stand there and they look at me like, and smoke is pouring up. And Elisa comes running out and says, What happened? I'm like, And Natalie goes, Mama, do not touch that red button. Don't touch that red button. That, that's how you stir up one another. Lisa goes, Chris, it's stir up, not explode them. You stir them to love and good works. All right, as we do this, there's a couple of important things, a couple of words that stand out in my mind. One is the word consider, and I just love this word. Um, If you need a word, if God gives you something like, oh, yeah, I'll take that word for this year, or maybe you'll put it on for next year. One of the words is consider, because it's such a biblical word. Uh, the author of Hebrews, whoever that was, uh, said this. Consider Jesus. In, thir- in fact, in uh, Hebrews 3.1, uh, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, this community right here, y'all people, you who share in a heavenly calling. Robert said we have a heavenly calling. We've been transformed. Part of our vision is to say, what does it mean to be transformed by Christ? And then to live that out, to live a good life shared. He said this, you part of this, Hebrews 3, 1, holy brothers, you who share in heavenly calling, consider Jesus. What that means is what? What do you think about when you hear the word consider? I don't know what you think about, but to me it means, oh, spend some time thinking about him. Consider, mull over, ponder, Think about, let your concentration and focus be about Jesus. That's awesome. So the author of Hebrews points us to Jesus. Consider him. And in this passage, he says, and now let us consider who? Who is now the focus of our consideration? He says, your focus, the consideration in community, in groups, are other people. If we use the same word, then we have to say, wait, consider Jesus. I, wanna, I understand what it means to ponder, mull, think about, spend my time concentrating. That makes sense about Jesus. But he's actually calling us to consider other people. That means he wants you to think about this guy right next to you. And what, what about them? What do they do well? How can I consider with the point of focus being consider other people, think about them, mull them, mull over, mull them, mull over. <laughs> Spend time concentrating on other people. I think that's an amazing change. Why? Because in community, if I live my life with vulnerability with you and you spend time thinking about me, you will see things in me that can pull things out that I might not be able to see. I can see sometimes things in you that God is speaking to me so long as we put ourselves together in community in a small enough group to where we're vulnerable that I can see in you that you can't even see sometimes from God. Do you agree? 
Has anybody ever spoken to you and said, you're so good at this. You do this so well. I remember the first time someone said, I want you to come up and I see this leadership thing in you. I want you to come up and lead. I'm like, I think you got the wrong guy. Like, no, I don't have the wrong guy. He saw things in me I never saw. And I'm so grateful that we were in a position and a place because he got to know me in this small group of men he took together in a Bible study. He said, I want to work with you, but he got to know me. And then he said, I see this in you. Go do this. I love that passage. And I love that word. Because so oftentimes, we as introverts sometimes, or people who get distracted, don't always have the permission to go and consider other people. But we should. We should consider them and think about them. So it says here, consider other people, stir them up. So how do we stir them up to do love and good works? All right. That's the story. This author of Hebrews, which is pretty powerful, love God, John says, and throughout it makes sense when Jesus was said, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment of all? Jesus, if you had to just tell us the one thing that we should do more than anything, I'll tell you what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That means if I'm going to love God with all my mind, I think he meant and your neighbor. I had better know my neighbor. And my neighbor had better allow himself to make himself known to me. That's community. You have a job in community to allow yourself to be made known. And so introverts like me have a hard time because we don't always want to do it. We have a little small group. We just was met Thursday night. We've been meeting for like, I don't know, 12, 15 years. And Elisa said, hey, it's a small group tonight. Um, my first thought is, oh, really? I think there's a Dodger game on tonight. <laughs> She's like, yeah, so let's get ready to go. I'm like, uh-huh. Haven't we been going this for a long time? She's like, Chris, come on, man. It's time to go. It's going to be fun. I'm like, fun for you, Miss Extrovert. That's my thoughts, but I realize there's something deep about going and showing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind also means your neighbor is yourself. That I think about them. And clearly, whenever I'm there, somebody says something that oftentimes just speaks deep words to me, sometimes by their life, sometimes just by their model. Sometimes they don't even have to speak it to me. I could just watch them. This is my favorite, favorite little story on CBS News. A guy went out and found a story of a basketball game that was deeply, deeply impactful. So let's watch this video. And I know you guys get tired of me. It's little things. Coach Peter Morales of the Coronado High School Thunderbirds in El Paso, Texas, makes no qualms about it. He has a favorite on this team. Mitchell, I need you. I need you to help me out with my coaching tips, Mitchell. Team manager Mitchell Marcus has a developmental disability. One, two, three, four. But he far surpasses everyone here when it comes to love of the game. He's this amazing person that our basketball team loves being around. Yay! Mitchell's mom, Amy, says he's always been that way. Mitchell always had a basketball. That was always what he wanted for his birthday. And because basketball is that important to him, on the last game of the regular season, the coach told Mitchell to suit up. What was it like to put on the uniform? I was very happy. I bet you were. Just wearing a jersey was enough for Mitchell. But what he didn't know, what no one knew at the time, was that the coach planned to play him. At the end, no matter what the score. You were prepared to lose that game. For his moment, yes. For his moment in time, yes. 
And so, with a minute and a half left, Coronado leading, but only by 10, Coach Morales put in his manager. And just started hearing Mitchell, Mitchell. But here's where the fairy tale fell apart. Although his teammates did everything they could to get Mitchell a basket, each time they passed him the ball, he either missed the shot or, like on their last possession, booted it out of bounds, turning the ball over to the other team with just seconds left. He wasn't going to be able to score. But I was hoping that he was happy that he was just put in the game. Could you have ever imagined what happened next? No, I didn't. I could not. Not at all. What happened next happened on the inbound. The guy with the ball there is a senior at Franklin High School, number 22, Jonathan Montanez. Uh, I just, I was raised to treat others how you want to be treated. Just thought Mitchell deserved his chance, deserved his opportunity. I think I'll cry about it for the rest of my life. What Jonathan did was yell out Mitchell's name, then threw the ball right to it, right there. One of the most memorable turnovers of all time. It wasn't the game-winning shot. When the buzzer sounded, Coronado had 15 more points than Franklin. But Jonathan's assist and Mitchell's basket did change the outcome decidedly. Play any game with this much sportsmanship. Both teams win. Steve Hartman on the road in El Paso, Texas. I love that. How many know that's your favorite video clip of all time? Why is it so favorite? Why do you like that? Because there's so many cool things about it. Here's a kid, 17 years old, who was taught by his parents, motivated, stir up, encouraged, told, you do what to other people? You treat them the way you want to be treated. Did you hear him say that? My parents told me to treat other people the way I want to be treated. He actually, could you imagine how hard it would be for a 17-year-old kid to make a turnover in the middle of a game? He had to pass it to the other team. Did you see his, you have to go back and watch, but his teammate, the moment he threw the, to the other person, his teammate goes, ah, you idiot, I'm open. But you see, Jonathan Montanez was taught by something to stir up, to think about other people, not to. And in, in, in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let us consider... Let us regard another person as more important. He had to think about another person. You see, community gives us an opportunity to consider. And here's Jonathan Montanez making this pass, and I love, why did people respond that way? Why did people get so excited? Why is it so cool to see that? Because you just don't expect it. Because he does something pretty powerful. Because he says in John 13, 34, Jesus said, here's a new commandment I give you. You should love one another. Awesome. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people, not some, everybody in that stands, in those stands, everybody there will see and know that you, have, you are my disciples. You have love for one another. So when we love somebody really well, it becomes this amazing testimony of a proclamation of a life well lived, a life well shared, and it points other people to Jesus. Do you know that one guy who saw this news story gave Jonathan Montanez a four-year scholarship free ride to University of Texas? 
He was so impressed with the love this other kid had by looking at somebody else, being holding that value. So how about Jonathan Montanez's mom? She's the one that said, I'm going to teach my kid this way. She may not be the the one to change the world. You may not be the one to change the world. You may not be able to love other people and do all these amazing things, and, uh, but you can probably encourage and stimulate and show up and tell somebody, I see this in you. Loving somebody well, Jesus said a new commandment. It wasn't new. We're supposed to love God with all our heart, so everybody knew that. Even love your neighbors yourself. I think what Jesus is saying here, which is new, is when you do something like this, when you consider others, when we put them there, the world just doesn't know what to do with that. That's the beauty of community. That's what's powerful about this whole process that we go through. That's why life groups and adult Bible classes and communities are so powerful. We allow ourselves to speak into other people and let them speak into us. I think it's a great example. So... Here's what gets in the way, and I'll just give you a couple of things. If you are thinking about community, which I think we do great here, maybe some of you are a little bit more introverted, maybe some of you don't always like to be there and don't want to show up, I'm just going to give you some challenges real quickly, but the first one for all of us is a challenge that we have to really be careful of and pay attention to, and that's this idea of a spotlight. Many times we don't want to get involved with other people because it can somewhat feel a little bit awkward. It could be um, hard to talk to other people. We, we have the, it feels like we're in a spotlight and I'm like, I don't know, I'm uncomfortable in conversations. I don't do well. In fact, a couple of researchers took two people and brought them together and had them have a conversation and the, almost everybody walked away saying, yeah, I didn't feel very good. I felt awkward. I really liked that other person, but they always underestimated how much the other person actually liked them. It's called the liking gap. Almost everybody walked out and went, yeah, that was great. Uh, They're really cool, but I I just don't think they liked me as much because, I don't know, because the spotlight was on you and you're just thinking about your own thoughts and not thinking about this other person. And But when you ask the other person, they're like, I liked that other person. It's called the liking gap. You see, sometimes we let our filters and our spotlights influence us and so we don't involve or engage in community. He says, that's why he says, and that is the habit of some. Don't do that. Get together. Be with them. Don't give up the assembling together. But I think one of the problems we have to come away with and avoid or think about is not letting the spotlight. Another one is we use filters, wrong filters to see and interpret ourselves and other people. So there's this cool little psych study of people that were put a scar on their face, for example, and it was a really ugly scar and they had a makeup artist do it. And then they showed people the scar and they looked in a mirror and they went, ah, oh. and they said, now you're going to have to go outside and walk around and talk to people and see how they treat you because you got this scar on your face. And what do you think 90 to 95% of the people that did, once they saw this scar, they walked out, they interacted with people, they went and talked to them, they went and hung out with them, and they almost all came back, 95% of them came back saying, people seemed, now that I'm wearing this, they seemed colder, more distant. They didn't seem as warm to me. It's like the scar distracted them a little bit. They seemed to be kind of like this or whatever. You ever heard of this study before? Not a single person was actually ever wearing a scar. Not a single one. 
90% came back saying, we're in this car. People were colder, more distant, more unfriendly. You know why? Because right before they walked out of the room to go interact with people, the makeup artist said, hold on just a second. Let me take this scar. It's peeling off, and I'll put some glue on there. And they took it off without them knowing. They went out there without the scar. And people thought of them and saw and interpreted and filtered through them the scar. And people said, people are more cold and distant and unfriendly. Where's the cold and distant and unfriendly at? With other people? Or in our filters, our perceptions. We cannot let these filters and these negative perceptions influence when we come to people. Sometimes it's hard to be vulnerable in front of other people. It feels awkward. We don't want that. So avoid the spotlight effect. And then for you extroverts and introverts, a couple quick things, real quickly. For you, ex- for you introverts, <laughs> let me see you introverts again. It's hard to see your hands. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, yeah. Introverts, what should we do? First of all, we'd like to tell the extroverts, please be quiet. (laughs) Here's what we need to do as introverts, I think. If I want to be in community, I want people to speak into me and me speak into them. My natural tendency is to not to want to do that. And I think our challenge is just to show up. It's my wife's favorite saying, Chris, will you just show up? Yeah, it's so easy for you to say. Just show up, be there. Sometimes you're going to get an offer to be part of a group or part of this, or you need to go to this, or you know deep down, I know I should go do this. Just show up. I think it's a great challenge for all of us and take a risk, expand your comfort zone. Remember, people like you more than you think. You are called by God, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. If you don't go consider and do that, how might this other person not know what to do? How might they not know that maybe they have this gift that they see in you and you don't call that out? You're called to something pretty higher. That is to see something in somebody, a potential, and call it out. Show up, take a risk, expand your comfort zone. And then for you extroverts... What are your challenges? (laughs) Some of you are like, I'll tell you my challenge right now. It's you introverts. Here's the challenge. Learn to be still. I have a daughter just like her mama. (laughs) Do you guys ever sit still? Do you guys ever like just pause for just a minute? No. (laughs) Like, okay, turn the motor down just a little bit. Learn to be still. Seek God. Find a place. Learn. I I think that's a challenge for extroverts. And going deeper with one or two people. Some of you like go deep with 150,000 people. And some of you need to go, maybe I'll just go deeper with one or two. Hear them. Talk to them. Learn more about them. Uh, And I think that could be an important challenge. Go deep with one or two. Then for all of us, here's a challenge. As we think about community, what it can do when the author of Hebrews says, right, let us learn or let us speak out. Let us consider. Think about more. Let us consider how to stimulate, stir up one another to love and good deeds. Don't forsake your assembling together. Let me encourage it all the more, he said, as the day draws near. So here's the challenge. I think if you show up, here's some of the best words we've ever taught our kids. Seek to be, un- seek to be interested rather than interesting. You want a life little cool thing? You want to teach a, a kid something? You want to be something different that in, in, in showing up in community and be there and you're a little bit worried about it? Then do this. Be interested rather than interesting. Everybody tries to be interesting. 
They come to a group, well, I'm not very interesting. I don't know what to say. I want to tell a story. I didn't tell a story very well. I want to, ah, they get so kind of like, well, don't do it. Be interested. Ask questions. How are you doing today? What do you got going on in life? How's like God speaking to you? Be interested. Isn't that cool? Our kids used to do that all the time. People would come over to our house and visit, and our kids would always ask this question whenever a stranger would come over, a person, you know, friend, or sit there. Our kids were like three and four and five, and they were taught right away, here's what you do. You ask questions of our guests. We went to somebody's house one time. We walked away, left that house, and we felt like they didn't know, we didn't, they didn't know a single thing about us. They didn't ever ask us any questions. They didn't talk. They talked about themselves. And Elisa said, Chris, I don't ever want to do that at our house. I want us to be interested in others. So if you were to come over when our kids were little, the first thing they do, we sit down and say, Daddy, can I ask, can I start? And we say, okay, kid, go ahead. So what's your favorite movie? And the person would go, oh, I like this movie. Uh, What do you like to do with your free time? And the person is like, you're like four. Why are you asking me these questions? And we're like, because it's better to be interested than interesting. Isn't that cool? You want to go to a group and you're worried about being awkward. You're worried about the spotlight, a f- spotlight effect. You're worried about the other thing. Do this. Be interested. Don't be interesting. Huh, I like that one. Look out for and consider those on the outside. That's what Jonathan Montanez did. That's what his mom stirred him up to do. Look out for those that may be on the outside. Think about them. Process. More. Consider. Maybe God's calling you to lead somebody or to encourage or to make a turnover. And then be present. I think this is probably one of the best ones is to be present when you are present. If you want to be a healing presence, if you want this community or to be part of one and you're looking for that, uh, part of it is just to be present. But when you are present, be present. Don't be taking out your phone and doing all these other things, letting these all these thoughts concentrate. Pull back and think about the person you're talking to. Engage with them. Find out what they're doing, who they are. Be present when you are present. Here's the cool thing. So maybe, in fact, we'll have the ushers come forward. Ushers, come forward. (laughs) Nate, team, all y'all want to come up here and do music. You guys come up forward, too. Here's what it means. When we're in a Christ-centered community, it has the power to turn strangers into friends. It has the power to turn friends into family. It has the power to take a whole bunch of acquaintances, people we like, we see all the time, and turn them into more than just acquaintances. It can turn us into a family. And I think that's the power of that passage and that idea when we encourage and stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We need to consider that and how God leads us forward. What a great opportunity. So let's pray. Lord, grateful. Grateful that you lead, that you direct, that you empower this church to have the vision to make community so important. Because as we make ourselves vulnerable with each other, we get to speak into each other's lives We get to see good works in them and call them out. And we're grateful, Lord, that you're here. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.